0: Good afternoon. It is 2 p.m. Central Time. I'm Leon Davis, and you're listening to Altitude Adjustment, the weekly podcast about people, politics and professions. One of the uh, ideas that we have for this coming show, uh, we wanted to talk about partisan politics and how partisan politics plays into getting things done or not getting things done in our society. And we have a, a guest who is actually running for Missouri uh, governor and we'll all have a a a good time you can join the discussion if you go to our website and you can um, be a part of the discussion that's coming up right now welcome to altitude Altitude. Adjustment. adjustment okay so before i bring our guests on i um and i get to do that because it's my podcast and I got the controls so I get to do what I do um, so to uh, yesterday uh, no I think it was this morning I ran across an article that was to me the epitome of partisan politics so the article was on the New york and it was by John pod Horitz and The title of the article is Obama's latest outrageous political gains, a reminder of how he opened door to Trump. And so uh, once I read the article, I mean, I I just could not pass it up for this episode. Uh, In the article, he talks about, so um, um, Obama delivered a eulogy at uh, John Lewis's funeral, John Lewis being a civil rights activist uh, Obama brought up civil rights for D.C. and Puerto Rico which is a an American um, territory and how these uh, areas should be granted statehood so that they can be included in being able to vote for president Mr. Podhoretz um, lambasted this, uh, um, Obama's eulogy, calling it uh, politically motivated. Um, I would think that anybody that's, you know, an activist, you would talk about activism at their funeral and that, that would be natural and not necessarily a political stunt, but in the article, and, um, I'm going to leave a link to the article. In the description, so find the podcast either on uh, YouTube or one of the audio uh, sites, Twitch, uh, Stitcher, uh, iTunes, and uh, you can read the article for yourself. But in the article, he uh, all of his arguments in the entire scope of his arguments was that D.C. and uh, Puerto Rico should not be given statehood. Because there are predominantly Democrat leaning areas. He has he, he is willing to deny people, deny citizens of the United States the basic right to participate in self governance by being able to select the president of the United States simply because and based entirely and solely on the fact that they are Democratic-leaning, or his assumption that they're Democratic-leaning. And um, so so there was a a couple of other things in the article, but that was just the gist of it. And to me, that is the epitome of partisan politics. It is not about um, making a better community, making a better society, building a better world. It's about my political views being the dominant political view. So I'm gonna ask my guests to come in. I'm gonna introduce Mr. Eric Morrison. He is running for the Missouri governor. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Good afternoon. Thank you
0: for having me. It it's been it truly a started out as a pleasure. So so have you encountered or what is your experience with partisan
1: politics? Well, Orn, I uh just just in light of what you just mentioned and when you were talking, I'm I'm thinking. Uh, how 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 the level of dogma can infiltrate something as uh, sensitive and something that is um, uh, I I want without being too churchy how something of that nature something someone can say something and be that insensitive regardless of their political views or not. It's just, for me, that's just a hard underlining place of ins- being, being totally ins- insensitive of, of a funeral of someone who has labored, who uh, through uh, uh, decades working for humanity would then come up with a comment in that particular way. Just regard, I don't even care about whether they what political party they represent. Just the idea that you would say something about whoever's eulogizing a man of that caliber in that in that tone, uh, I lose sight of it in one ear and straight out the other. So I, I, I'm you know opponent against someone being being desensitive to a funeral period.
0: Any uh, Leonard, Warren?
1: I'm sorry, I didn't. <laughs>
0: no, that's the way we work like, on this podcast. Say what you have to say. Um, and, you and know, we all respect your opportunity to say what you had to say and not interrupt you and give you a full opportunity to get the idea out that you're trying to get out. Because if we don't understand what you're saying, then we're just talking past each other and not talking to each other. Yes, sir. So did. Uh, yes, sir. Go ahead. Jump in.
2: Governor, uh, thanks for being with us. Uh, yeah. and I said that because I'm predicting that you'll be governor. You get a hard road to fight. So I wish you the best. Now, thanks. this guy has shown me that the Republicans are not interested in ideas. Uh, as you've seen since, uh, new, uh, Mitt Romney ran against Obama in the second Obama race for president. The Republicans went about all across the country trying to get rid of the voting rights for Black people, people that they consider most likely to vote Democratic, all this purging of the voter rolls and what have you. They don't want to put their ideas out there and win on a show of ideas. They just wanna win. So instead of winning Democrats over with coming up with some non-radical ideas, they present us with uh, radical people like Louis Gomer, Ted Cruz, uh, Mitch McConnell, and other people. And then they try to get rid of the vote so their people could win because because you notice in an election where the vote is spread out and it's made for everybody to vote they tend to lose but when it's a short vote when it's a vote where they tend to win it's where less people are voting and less ideas are heard. So well,
0: let me, let me say this, fact, let me, let me say this. Okay. So, so, so both sides do some partisan politics where the politics of what they're trying to accomplish are simply about, is it a, polit- is, it, is it a, uh, Republican view or is it a democratic view? And so the, the concern then is, is that healthy for our democracy? that we hash that out? Is that a necessary part of trying to get things done?
2: Yes, you you have to put both views up and let the public choose. You don't try to eliminate a portion of the public because they don't agree no, no. with Okay,
0: you. so so Healthy partisan
2: part, politics. Healthy part of democracy, is you exchange views and you vote for the candidate that's most likely to see things The way that you do not get rid of the candidates that don't so only the people that see views like you can vote.
0: Okay, so so partisan politics. Is about so. um, Mitch McConnell. In Obama's last year. Held up Merrick Garland. As Mm -hmm. a candidate strictly on political basis mm-hmm. and not based on um, necessarily uh, the way that what's best for the country. That right. to me is partisan politics. It's not yeah. that I have a view as a as a Republican and I have a view as a Democrat. It's it's legislating based solely on my political party affiliation and not rational, logical um, differences in in a position.
1: Warren, can I can I just interject uh, with the with with the climate that we're in right now? And I don't know if this was some questions that would be later asked or or a, com- a part of the conversation, but. With the climate that we're in right now and uh, two pandemics that are uh, not going away anytime soon with COVID-19 and with the protesting against injustice. With this climate that's right now to even for, for any party to really still be trying to get their ideology pushed across I think it is is insensitive of, I'm using that word because of of what has COVID-19 calls to all people uh, uh, and right now I don't think we should be g- engaging ourselves in so much of who's right who's wrong whose ideology should be the primary one Versus looking at how can we at this time cross lines and bring healing to a state, to a nation, across the board right now in light of uh, COVID, heal Uh, uh, in light of protesting against the injustice, equality. That should be our concern in versus, you know, trying to push an ideology, it just adds to the tension it just adds to the hurt. It just adds to uh, what COVID nineteen uh, has done, and years of injustice that has has been going on in our country.
0: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So so some of the in 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 that trying to accomplish that. So there are people like yourself who see the bigger picture, who are trying to address issues, regardless of whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, COVID-19 does not care. It will devastate you, your family, and uh, your life, you know, for years to come. But we had, um, there was uh, people pushing to open the economy and not deal with, um, not deal with, you know, the, 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 possible backlash from COVID-19 being unaddressed simply because if they, if, if the, if the economy didn't look good, then their political party was going to get just beat up in the election. So it wasn't about, so the decisions that were being made weren't about saving lives. It wasn't about saving businesses. It was about saving a political party plain and simple and they were willing to sacrifice businesses they were willing to sacrifice people's lives they were even willing to sacrifice parts, parts of the country simply on the string that if we show people we're trying to open the economy that that it should favor us as politicians and that's and that's what i'm saying you you're right i agree with you 100% that we should address issues based on the public good. But but um, political partisanship seems to be creeping into every aspect of our political discourse. Yeah, yeah. Anybody want to well, join I, me?
2: Well, the, what the politicians don't understand you take care of the medical end, you get everything you want. You get people taken care of, you're losing less lives, and you get to open the economy up. Uh, other countries like South Korea, for example, they got in there. they got early with testing, they got early with skip tracing. And they didn't go through losing 100, 200,000 lives like we have. At one point, we were number three. Now we're number one uh, because we had a president who choose to not address it. We have a political party that choose to not address it. And when people work for these politicians, such as Lou, Louie Gomer, the knuckle here from Texas, who told his employees uh, don't come to work with masks on and berated his employees that did. Now he's got it. And we don't know how many other people he's given that to because he was around without. And, and, And you take care of what happens first. Take care of the medical first. Keep the numbers down. Then you can open up the academy. The economy, excuse me. Don't get me wrong, I get it. For people whose businesses were lost, whose income were lost, I get it. I get it. That's why we had to take care of this medical. If you try to do everything like you had it before and you don't take care of the medical, you have what we're getting now. You have what we're getting now. And so let's take care of the medical let's take care of our people, because it's people that made our economy. It's people that get out and vote. It's people that allow the politicians to do everything that they're doing, and we can't have all of this, let's get these people sick, let's get them dead, and then have a buffoon using his office to try to postpone the federal election to screw with the post office so the votes don't get there he's trying everything he can to keep power you had four years to do this and you did nothing people are dying because of you the economy is getting bad because of you because you sat here and you did nothing All right, it's time for the next person to run and time for you to get out the way
0: so do you feel like I'm sorry go ahead
1: no, I was just uh, in in what what uh, uh, Mr. Leonard just said, and you as well, uh, Warren. In uh, now, you guys may have come through the womb of your mother into a rich house, and there was no debt in your house. I yeah, I don't know, I, but that wasn't my case. All right? okay. That wasn't my. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so, uh, my dad, my dad laid into me when my family was, we were, we were new. My wife and we had three little kids, and I was trying to save money by leasing a Windstar van. And I went to my dad and said, "I'm, I'm saving money. I have that van." He's, he was commending me on how the van looked and everything. He said, "How much are you paying for that?" And I said, "I'm leasing." He said, you leasing? And my dad went, you know, start crazy on me and said, you'll never own it. All you'll have at the end is a whole lot of receipts. You'll never own it. (laughs) And I said, well, I'm trying to pay these said, He said, well, you look at your check, and then you start paying off the biggest debt you had. And whatever you have left over, you don't have nothing left over. Don't worry about it if you have a job because you got another check to pay that debt off. Yeah. But at least you will own it one day and you'll be out of debt. The kids will be fine and your wife will be fine. Not only was it a, pre- uh, a president that addressed the, the, ne- the necessity of opening slowly is the terminology he was using. We need to reopen the country slowly. I don't know what that means when there's a bullet flying around. Uh, invisible bullet flying around. Who, you know, that was, you know, COVID-19 is invisible. People are asystematic walking around with that. They don't yeah. even have the the symptoms, but they can be carriers. And you're, quote, unquote, opening up something slowly. Well, here, here's another piece to that, uh, Brother Warren, Brother Leonard, is that it moved down. He moved it to governors. He moved it to governors. And we didn't just have all there's there's not just uh, 50 republican governors all right so there were governors that even moved it down to the the municipalities that these mayors had an opportunity to call a shot too which were not republicans my position is still on listen we could have did just like south korea shut the entire country down Listen to the medical experts you know what I mean you can go to school to study uh, anything in light of, of germs, fungus, anything. you're not a scientist you're not right. a medical uh, uh, expert at all. Let those people do what they do let them have the uh, provide us with the information right. so that we can make sure. After the, after the, we flatten the curve, after the numbers go down, this is what I do know, is that you, then you go to the federal government and say, now start dumping money back into this economy, back into these small businesses, back into these cities, these municipalities, now start dumping money back in. And it might, it might not jumpstart the economy in in a year and a half or two years, but the But the financial experts would say it won't take as long as it did before uh, reigniting and re stimulating our economy. So you shut everything down and you get people healed. And then you put the money in because the money ain't going nowhere. And we can always print up more money and pay a debt off later. But you can't bring back a life. Once a life is lost, people are still affected that already come out of COVID 19. Their respiratory systems are still. Uh, effective and probably will be for the rest of their life so in that in that position I just I just you know it was it was just a a trickling effect from the president all the way down to the mayors of of cities
0: and so I thought I thought that um so so you're right and and the problem is that our political system is so built on me against you dividing us it it's, it has to be two sides to an issue there can't be one side of the issue there can't be let's save our people then save our money it has to be well i want to go save our money and 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 i don't want you to be able to save our people because if if you save the people then they're going to vote for you and not vote for me and so and so how can we in a system that encourages this kind of conflict. It doesn't just, it promotes this kind of conflict. In fact, um, they don't have, uh, on any one news program, you look at it, they don't have any one set of ideas that are consistent between the people that are talking. So it's not like, it's not like the people that, that they have four people on there and four people are talking about, um, well, if we shut down at this rate, you know, and each person is talking about shutting down at a different rate, but they're all talking about shutting down. It's usually they have to have somebody on there that's going, that's the wrong approach. That's the absolute wrong approach. And and usually the person who's who's pitted against the other group is pitting, is is fighting against what's being said simply from a political standpoint. In other words, we all know that shutting down was right. There's, there's ample evidence that shutting yes. down was the right thing to do. How can someone argue not?
1: What, well, what is the rationale? here's what
0: we,
2: here's what we have. Uh, going back to what Mr. Eric was saying, in states like Georgia, Texas, Iowa, where the Republican leaders just kept passing the buck down. You get city mayors who were trying to deal with it. Now, after they made made preparations to deal with it, like the governor of Georgia filed suit against the mayor of Atlanta. The mayor of Atlanta who caught the virus and self-quarantined herself, she put in restricts to stop the spread of it in her city. Well, here comes the Republican governor of Georgia to follow suit saying she can't do that. Uh, Houston was the last city in Texas to get really hard, which and it shot up everywhere in Texas. Well, they took the power away from the highest elected official or judge in Houston to bring it back to the governor of Texas who decided that Houston didn't have the right to shut down the things to protect their city. Another city in Iowa, then our Republican governor filed a suit to keep the city in Iowa, I forgot which city it was, to keep from allowing that mayor to do anything. What I saw and I see it's a show called The View and Meghan McCain, who was the daughter of the late Senator John McCain she always going around preaching, I'm a small government conservative. We just can't have the big government. This pandemic showed why we needed the big government. But unfortunately, it was a small government conservative who's thinking like her who got involved and wouldn't do anything. And you're, you're asking governors and mayors to do something that was on the hands of the, the, the federal government. And just like now, the biggest thing they're doing is they're trying to decide how to do schools, whether to do schools online or do it in person. You got people, the parents out in Rockwood School District in St. Louis County, Missouri, arguing and screaming and campaigning to have school in person because the kids need to be there. I think the kids' safety got to come first. And I think Rockwood should have at-home distance learning. Distance learning has been done for
0: years. So, so let me interrupt formats. you quickly. It works. Let me quickly. Know. It works. It quickly. So, you know, I was making the point that um, that they were having people on who were presenting alternate ideas and not presenting good alternate ideas. And... Um, Side. I can't even pronounce that. Uh, So we got a comment (laughs) simply uh, that 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 they have those people on simply for the appearance of nonpartisanship. And I agree that it's simply for the appearance of nonpartisanship. But what happens is it throws a wrench into solving problems. Because now we've entertained people who have not in in true honesty and earnestness attempted to provide a solution to a problem, but only um, were included in the conversation because they were against the other side's take on trying to resolve the problem.
2: I think you have that. You got to give it a chance because you never know where your solution comes from. People have all kinds of ideas and you never know where your solution could come from. Uh, You give it a try. We know what we need to do in this country, but it's not going to get done as long as we have the person in the White House that's doing it. I mean... Governor, you had mentioned education as one of your platforms for running, uh, Mr. Eric. What about education that you were running on as far as your platform for running for Governor of Missouri? I
1: wanna, I'm wanna. i going to just uh, take a step back and then I'll answer that question. Thank you, Mr. Lennon, for it too. In light of uh, those individuals that that present, uh, Mr. Warren, that present or have the appearance, I believe is how you said it has the appearance of warning solution, but their motive is just to be there to uh, create, to continue to create the the hostility and the the lack of moving forward with the the necessary solutions because there are solutions and and if we could get past uh when we're uh, the, my favorite book is the bible that's my favorite book it's the bible and uh isaiah the isaiah said uh how about we come in and reasoning together in the business world there's there's such a terminology of tabling and tabling it until each party can walk away satisfied without compromising but it's taking care of the whole everybody profits from it so there are solutions we just got to get to uh, brother lynn like you said get to the right people uh wherever they exist to make sure that these solutions are being uh, 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 applied and we're getting down the road and getting beyond this here's here's the prophetic voice that is necessary right now there is a generation that is coming These these arguments that we're having right now are are in light of people of the past and not people of the future, (laughs) because the generations that are coming right now are not really in tune with, we don't really, we, we don't even understand how we got here. And, and, and it's looked upon as a, a form of ignorance to them. I can't believe that my my great-grandfather was doing this. I can't believe that we accepted this. That is the conversation of the, the millennial and the Generation X that is coming. So if we're not going to implement ideals and solutions for them, then we're going to get stampeded. We're going to get straight ran over because they're coming and they would love for this generation of uh, pioneers to open up doors for them to come through. The question in light of the education, again, this is one of the most complex situations that's uncharted. If, if we had a blueprint, it would be you know, something great, but there's no blueprint. This is uncharted. And again, the health issue, that the health and the resources the uh, uh, wealth disparity areas in our states or in this state suffer from the ideal automatically of of homeschooling, virtual schooling. That is not gonna transpire whatsoever in light of of kids that have no resources, have no access, to Wi-Fi, you know, computers, and then some of their intellectual levels will not give them the attentiveness to sit in front of a computer. They need, they need to be in a classroom. Now, the health issue now again is 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 brought to our attention because this child and this other child has not. I'm gonna go down the line, Brother Leonard. All right, this child, okay, may, have, may not have COVID. Passes it on. I know we want the kids to wear masks. I'm just giving you the a lightweight picture of where in the rooms I've been in and listening to educators talk. Here's a child. You ready to now put this mask on their face for eight hours? That is going to be a challenge all by itself. This child subject to uh, uh, contract the, the virus. Now they got to go home. They have siblings at home. These things are being are 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 needing to be talked all the way through. Do so, our children need to be educated? Yes, but do we need to continue to come up with ways in which every child, starting with the worst children, the, the, the children that are in the worst condition, before we move to those children that are already uh, uh, positioned and ready to go to school, there is a plethora of children that are not ready. And if we move, on those children, mm-hmm. before we move to the children that are in the worst condition, again, it's a description of something that's very cynical, something that's systemic. That uh, reasons why we need people like Eric Morrison in government. So Eric Morrison as government so, to make sure that these things are not uh, are are going unaddressed again.
0: So 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 let me let me ask this question because we you talked about. Making sure to, to open up schools and we have two trains of thought as far as open up schools, we have the health issue and we have the need for children to not be away from a structured environment of learning for too long. But the argument that's being presented for opening up schools is simply that they should go to school. It is not about an argument about that the children need structured learning on a regular basis, that they they need structured learning from a, um, an educated professional who's um, taught to teach. It is not about giving them the information, what information that they need specifically to, to get out of school, to move to the next step in life. It is simply about They need to go back to school because that's where they should be. And so so we don't have we don't have two, I think, genuine arguments. Because one argument is they need to be safe to go back. They need to be uh, fed. They need to have certain things in order to make going back a benefit to them if they're not eating right, if they're not clothed, if they don't have, um, you know, the necessary tools, they don't have books and pencils, sending them back to school, isn't going to be of any benefit. And as you pointed out, there are people who have resources, who that's not going to impact significantly. And there is a group that does not have all of that. And pushing them back into the schools, it's not going to benefit that group at all.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. In every district, in every district, if you talk to the educators from any district, they will tell you that they have to go through training. These are our educators. I am right now currently uh, working with, an administration at Central High School befriended the principal. We've been uh, uh, some some uh, best friends of each other for the last four years. They have an administrative staff right now. <laughs> I'm talking about the uh, urban high school that have been addressed as one of the worst for years. In uh, in light of you know, and we know across the board a lot of our Districts that are in rural and in and in uh, urban uh, uh, states have lost their credit bill, their uh, accreditation, right? And so, but this is administrative staff here at Central High School that have been trained. Listen, because they know that when kids come to this high school at the ninth at at, at freshman level or ninth grade level, that they are already going to face a child that are. Predominantly, most of the children reading at fifth and fourth grade reading levels, right? So they have been trained to close the educational gap so that that child can then uh, graduate when they become a senior, to help them accelerate in learning so that they can get there. So the to speed and push kids back to school when you have trained educators that know how to close the gap of education again is it are people who are not thinking through what's best for the child, what's best for the parent, and what's best for that educator. That is something that we as a governor would make sure that we would push that envelope. Listen, we have trained professionals. Let the trained professionals do what they do. Let's make sure that everybody's safe and taken care of.
0: So- Um, uh, we could, I think, beat this uh, up a little more because my concern is, is that, um, we're not unfortunately going to change the motivation of people who want to do things, not necessarily for the benefit of their constituents, but for the benefit of their party. Um, so, so one of the things I'd like to try to address is what do we think can help move those people to a position of where they start to consider the impact of their actions on someone else? So in other words, how, how do we, is there a way to have a conversation with, the uh the president or a governor who's pushing to open up schools without doing all of the grunt work to make that an effective behavior is there a way to get them to because you can give them all the facts you can you can give them all the facts you can explain to them how um uh how that is not going to benefit the kid, but that's not their motivation. They, that That's not their primary goal. Their primary goal is um, to be uh, reelected. I'm going to I'm gonna welcome coffee to the show. How are you doing coffee?
3: Hey, what's going on fam? Thank you.
0: So, so how, how do we, how do we, um how do we talk to those people how do we how do we stop the cycle of i t- yell facts at you and you ignore the facts and just do whatever benefits you is there a way to 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 get around that to 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 try to reach these people and say look um you know this is what we need to do and and you tell me how i can help you get there
1: if there was a if there's a platform of reasoning, and I don't, you know, <laughs> uh, you said president, he, he ain't gonna listen. <laughs> maybe maybe the governors, but the president, he he is not gonna listen. Uh, yeah, we know he is adamant about, you know. Yeah, that's a different whole different conversation, but. Uh, um, there's there's I, I mentioned, uh, uh, Mr. Warren, that there are two pandemics that are going on right now. And uh, Mr. Leonard pointed out the the number of deaths that has occurred in our country uh, as a, as it pertains to COVID-19. Um, and the majority of that, 85 percent of those deaths are black and brown people because of the wealth disparity uh, that have or they've already encountered the the pre-existing conditions that uh, have already been uh been exposed to. Okay. <laughs> this conversation to persuade, okay. persuade somebody that's adamant has to go to that level yeah. of which really took place with the george floyd's death that provoked a protest that brought attention to individuals and say hey you're gonna have to stop thinking this way and pushing this agenda because we've already seen it through COVID. it's been it's been exposed to you through george floyd and what you don't want is to go through if you happen to win another four years of this, another two years, whatever the term uh, position that they looking for. So it's not a threat, but it is that you carry the weight of, again, a level of affliction on a people that uh, are now trying to fight to get just to a place called equality. And if it ain't, if it isn't happening in your house now, you, you know, this is what we used to say, you know, they, if it ain't if they knocked on your front door yet, uh, keep waking up, and pretty soon the thing that you are trying to push up on somebody else will be at your door. So it's best for you right now to let's begin to work to make it better for everybody else. Other than that, we have, uh, we just have that, have what's going on right now continue to go on for years to come.
0: So um, Sid, I think he told me to call him, let's see, he told me to call him Sid, yeah, those can call him Sid, so it's, Sid's been pretty active here, and I appreciate that, and thank you for tuning in, Sid, I really appreciate you being here, uh, the podcast is for you, um, he says, I think these problems really are making non-voters more interested in getting change. That's the group we need to be focusing on, I believe. And and I, I, to some degree, agree that we should focus on non-voters, but non-voters are non-voters for a reason. Um, there is no non-voter in the United States that has not heard you need to get registered and vote. There is no... Now, I'll say it again, there is no non-voter that has not heard that they need to participate in the system. And if they're not voting, it is for a reason. I would love to believe that we're gonna, if we're going to tell them one more time, go vote, do your civic duty, participate in the system. It will work for you. If I thought that that would work one more time, if I thought saying that one more time would work, I would I would say it 15 times just to be sure that Beetlejuice showed up. But at this particular point, I someone has to show me a different catalyst to move that needle to get those people to get out there and participate in the system. So, Warren, I think yes, sir. No, go ahead
1: No, I'm just you know Again, uh, a lot of people uh, have been over the past have not seen anything change due to uh, elected officials. And they don't see nothing change because a lot of elected officials that they have seen have come into uh, communities. We see the pandering that takes place and this individual goes, makes promises, goes to office and don't fulfill them. And so it is a a turn off to the non-voters because they have never never seen any change. But one thing that you mentioned was, is this the the time somebody is going to listen? So you don't never stop uh, reaching out to them, but I think we do more Educate them than just saying go register and go vote for Eric Morrison. They have to be educated in what's going on around them, understand that every issue and every problem that they're having is connected directly to
0: their uh, non-official.
1: An yeah, and that's, that's what that has to be something in that, as you said, the catalyst, the vehicle that motivates them and pushes them to a poll. On, on the day to vote is that this is getting ready. Your vote is a voice that you that you have. And no, I know you you tired of hearing about uh, people died for you to vote. I know you tired of that. But here is now a platform and an opportunity for you to go and do something in a, in this climate that you in that you will see as a result of your your voting. You will see change in this election.
3: And what people can, can I add something to that? Absolutely. Okay. What, what we have to realize is that, first of all, we have never had, um, uh, we don't have, you know, it's 50 governors in the United States, one for each state. We do not currently, we do not have a black United States governor. And so some people say, well, why should we shouldn't vote for him just because he's black? Yes, you should. You should vote for him just because he's black and because he's speaking truth to power. You have no reason not to vote for him. So if you don't have a reason not to vote for him, if you don't have have not seen him double cross us, crisscross, whatever, then don't make up a reason. Don't have don't create a reason not to vote for him. Give him a chance. Yes, we need to have proportionate political representation. And if we are 13, 14 percent of the United States of America, then we should be holding 13 or 14 percent of the elected positions. We're holding less than 4 percent of the elected positions. So because he's black, should be a reason that black people should vote for him and anybody white people. And because he's speaking truth to power, because he has walked his talk. He's not just saying what I'm going to do. This man has a history of doing things. And you know what? Well, we, we know that every, everybody black don't do the right thing when they get in office. We have a lot of sellout suckers, egg or whatever you want to call them. However, there's a thing that's called recall. And when people don't do what they say they're going to do, we don't have to let them sit out four years, six years, two years in that position. We can recall them, but give people the opportunity to do what they said they're going to do. Because we already see all the white folks we put in the position, the majority of them have not done what they said they're going to do. Or I take it back. They probably did do what they said they were going to do, but it wasn't to benefit us, the black people, the people of color, the poor people, and the working people. So we have to give our brothers and sisters the opportunity to occupy those seats, and let's see what they're going to do.
0: Okay, so um, we are about to to wrap up. Uh, I'm going to give um, Mr. Eric Morrison an opportunity to um, – I, I promised him at the, the top of the hour I wanted to talk about uh, partisan politics, but I'm going to give him an opportunity to talk about his campaign and uh, make his um, pitch to the people and explain to them – um, those Missourians, what he is going to do for them. So take it away.
1: Thank you, uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Leonard. Uh, thank you, Mr. Warren. Thank you, guys, uh, and uh, uh, my precious big sister, uh, Miss Coffee. Thank you for tuning thank you. in Good to see thank you. you Governor, yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. Well, to to the Missourians. That uh, will be viewing this podcast uh, and viewing it now, and we'll view it later. Uh, I want to share this that I am an outsider. I'm not going to sound political. I am informed in regarding the issues that are concerning our state, our communities, uh, and people's lives. I want I want uh, those that know uh, Missourians to know that. No, this is not, this is not a, a symbolic campaign. And this is not a symbolic person that, that wants to govern them, but a person that genuinely cares about humanity. Dr. Martin Luther King said it like this, it's time for us to get past the constitutional rights and begin to get to human rights. And that's what Eric Morrison stands for, the right of humanity making sure that all people are being provided for that that everyone no one goes unlooked and untared for i have a heart of uh 26 years in ministry have implemented programs, organized programs for people. I didn't write it down because they didn't tell me, Brother Leonard, I was supposed to write all this down so it can go into a bio one day, you know, that I was going to be running for a a political office. They didn't tell me to write everything down that I did. So I don't have it written. But there is evidence of the, the level and the capacity of who I am in this community. And there's a lot of people that know that if you want somebody that's transparent, someone as uh, Miss Coffee said that will stand flat footed and talk power to truth, that's me. I've raised three kids. I know how to say no to them. And with they uh, frowning up, crying, slamming doors, whatever the case may be, the answer is still no, you know? <laughs> so we the what it takes to make sure that what we believe in, we can push that envelope. I want Missourians and everyone to know that Eric Morrison has the competence, the capacity, and the fortitude to help. Listen, I'm not just saying that uh, for for 2025. I'm saying that for right now, because there's a lot of people that's running for positions that know about the problems that we're having. Understand what I'm saying, Brother Leonard, Brother Warren, there's a lot of people that, under, that that knows about our problems, but don't understand the problems that we're going through. Eric Morrison understands what's going on. And as a pastor, and have moved people from, from the, from the epitomes of, of hurt, pain, uh, uh, unemployment, sickness, suicide—you name it. Uh, helping them to get re- to recover and live a holistic life—that's what we specialize in. They, there are people that are running for political positions that if they lose, they're gonna go back to their vocation. This is what I do. So if I lose, I go back to serving people. So who? Can- Should you have at a time right now with two pandemics going on, then someone that understands the pandemics that's going on and is a servant to people. That's what I do. That's who I am. My name is Eric Morrison. I'm running for governor of the state of Missouri, and I do approve this message.
0: So thank you, everybody, for joining me this afternoon. We're going to wrap this up for today. Uh, I think it has been a very worthwhile show, and I'll look forward to having everyone back next week.
3: Thank you all so much.
1: This podcast is designed for
0: live listener interaction. Visit the website, the slash home, for details about how to join the conversation. The video version of Altitude Adjustment is available on YouTube. Search for Lions Den STL, and the audio podcast is available on Stitcher.com, Anchor.fm, the iTunes Store, and the Google Play Music Store, to name a few. Look for Altitude Adjustment where you get your podcast, and consider making a contribution by visiting Anchor.fm/Altitude-Adjustment2. Remember, the internet is powered by your likes, shares, and comments. So please like, share, and comment on this and other episodes because it matters. As always, be cool, be calm, and above all, be careful, look out for the other guy because they may not be looking out for you.